Good morning, everyone. <laughs> I like that. We've got some enthusiasm today. I'm going to be preaching on that in a few minutes. So, All right. Welcome, everybody. Glad you're here today. And uh, it's great to be here with uh, God's people as we worship the Lord together, as we share in, uh, in the love of Christ, as we share in the love for one another, and as we share as disciples of Christ who are uh, charged with being the kingdom of God in this place. So welcome. We welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you are here and hope that you'll feel a, a very much part of our family as we worship God together today. Let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets that we have on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and fill it out as completely as you feel comfortable and uh, giving us the information that uh, you feel comfortable giving to us and check the appropriate box there. And especially if you'd like to receive our email newsletter, please be sure to uh, put your email address on there and we'll get you on our list. Uh, that comes out every every week and it's a, a good way to keep up on, with what's uh, going on here at Community Baptist Church. Speaking of what's going on here at Community Baptist Church, we have a lot that's going on here at Community Baptist Church. So uh, I'm gonna, we're going to go through several announcements today and uh, ca uh, call to your attention some things that are happening. And several other people, a couple of other people are going to be making announcements. And so first of all, Matthew North, come and talk to us about Upward for just a moment here. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've come up here, just a moment does not describe me. Uh, good morning, everyone. I hope you all filled your bellies this morning and enjoyed the food. I want to thank you for the opportunity of giving that to you. Um, I want to talk to you guys about a couple different reasons why it is that we volunteer for Upward. It's one of those things where we've been doing this program for so long, some of us forget just why it is we're here and we're doing what we're doing. The first reason are all these little guys you see sitting around. There's Jade there. You've got all these little kids around here and all these kids that we've had pass through this program. These kids are coming in here and we get the opportunity to show them the love of Christ and they get to grow and they're not getting this anywhere else, guys. They're getting it here in this building and we're providing that to them. Now, if that's not reason enough, there's still more. Now, there's countless numbers of reasons to do this. But the other reason that I want to talk to you guys about uh, is just why we as adults need to be doing this kind of thing. Kelsey, stand up, would you? Now, you joined this church, right? And when you joined this church, Pastor Tim stood next to you and he said that we are all, we're all ministers, right? And we've got a ministry that we share with each other. Is that right? Now, are we supposed to just minister to the people who are right here in this room? No, we're not, are we? Now, you work a lot with the food bank, right? With the food bank? When you guys get a bunch of food in, do you call the people who live up in Wolf Hills and say, hey, don't worry about getting your groceries this week. We got you covered. Come on down here, food bank. Get you don't do that. Well, who do you give the food to? To the people in need? Really? Okay. So, you can sit down. What I'm getting at, guys, is there are people out there that need what we have here. If we continually just minister to ourselves, we're not benefiting the people who need us the most. And I promise you, last year we had 170 kids in this program. 
Every Saturday, we had over 300 adults in this building that needed it, that needed us to minister to them. They're here. You don't have to go anywhere else. You can come right here on a Saturday. Every hour, you get a new batch of people. All you have to do is talk to them. Guys, you're getting eight weeks right here in this building to become friends with people who need you. It doesn't take anything more than that. You can say to me, there's no, no way I can volunteer for this program. I don't know anything about basketball. I don't know anything about cheerleading. You don't have to. All you have to do is be here. You befriend these people. You tell them what Christ has done for you, and it comes through. Believe me, I know I was out there. That was me. This is where you need to be on a Saturday morning. If you guys want to volunteer, see me, see Sybil. There's a million things you can do. Any help helps. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, and I'm glad to hear that my uh, membership spiel is, is catching on there. Yeah. Because we are all ministers in this church. Every one of us are ministers in this church, and we are called to use our resources. And that's what I'm preaching on today to, as well. We are called to use uh, the gifts that we have um, for the sake of God's kingdom. And a good way to do that is through this Upward Program. It's one of our most important programs that we have here at this church. So let me challenge you. Find something to do with this upper program. You will not regret it. It will, it will be a, a blessing to you, and it will be a blessing to those that you minister to. Okay, so there's number one. Mary, you have something. I have four somethings. Four somethings. We may be here for a while. <laughs> Speaking of ministering, um, today we're going to our, our friends at Pleasant Point again. And this is for all youth, all children of all ages. And when we first started this, it was just one Sunday, and now it's every month. And our residents at Pleasant Point, they have got to know these kids. They've got to know our youth. Um, Our youth sat down and played games last month with some different residents. They talked to these folks 95 years old or 95 years young. It is a wonderful ministry that your kids and your youth are doing, so you should be very proud of that. So lunch right after church today. And then we go to Pleasant Point. We'll return here at 2.30. Okay, on a different note, on the back of your bulletins, I received an email from Central Academy, Central Learning Center, where I used to work, and they are in need of belts. Not brand new belts, just belts. Uh, Their kids have to have their, to hold their pants up, so no sagging. Uh, Principal Lawson, brand new principal this year, and he's bringing a little bit of the uniforms back. And so if you have any un- Use belts that you no longer possibly fit in or they're too big. John's looking at my gear. Okay, so please bring your belts. There's a little bucket over there for belts, and I promise I'll get them to Central Learning Center. Plastic. Um, we have a little thermometer over there. We are in need of 400 pounds of plastic. You know, we've got our first picnic table, so we need 400 pounds. We're at 91 pounds right now. So we need all the plastic lids you can get. And um, the last thing, we missed a very important anniversary last week, and it's because of this family that we're all here, and Dr. Tim just celebrated his ninth anniversary with us, and we are so very grateful for you.
Thank you. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> uh, a few other announcements I have today. Uh, as most of you know, uh, Jerry and Adele Martin are moving away from us uh, probably at the end of the month or 1st of September, and uh, we can't let them get away without uh, giving them a fond farewell. And so we are, we're going to be having a farewell celebration for them on August the 25th on a Sunday afternoon from 2 to 5, and uh, that will be here at the church, so please make your plans to be there. Uh, it, it'll be a great opportunity for you to tell Jerry and Adele how much uh, they mean to each of you. Uh, also, we have a couple of fundraisers that are coming up in the near future. Our Sureway uh, Barbecue Fundraiser is in the works. We have tickets printed. Uh, Jika, do you have them, or does Mike have them, or did we? You gave out all we have. Wow. Okay. I got some. Okay. All right. That, that's great because this, this is important, folks, because this is one of our major fundraisers, and we use this money to, to provide for a lot of the ministries that we do here at Community Baptist Church. I've got some here. If you've got some, raise them up right now. I'll raise your hand. Okay. Take a look around, folks. These are the people that you need to see to buy uh, some, some barbecue, uh, to, to reserve some barbecue there. We've got uh, barbecue ribs. Pork chops, uh, half chicken dinners, and and, th- and slabs of ribs, and uh, so please go ahead and buy those. And we're going to print up some more tickets. And what I'd really like for you to do, this is going to be on September the sixth and seventh. What I'd really like for you to do is to take some of these tickets and sell them and bring them back to us, so that uh, bring the stubs back to us, so that we can. Um, uh, uh, have a have a good pre-sale because that really is what makes the difference with this this uh, uh, this fundraiser. Also, we need volunteers for that, and there are sign-up sheets on the table in the foyer um, for you to volunteer. We need people to cook. We need people to uh, to deliver because we do deliver, especially on Fridays uh, if you have a big group. Uh, we need people to uh, to wrap and prepare. We need people to make sales. And so if you'd like to volunteer, please uh, uh, sign up on the sign-up sheet in the, in the foyer there. Another, yard, uh, another fundraiser we have coming up, the Highway 60 yard sale is coming up in October. And so please go ahead and be bringing us your stuff. We'll be uh, setting up at the uh, corner up on 60 where our sign is, 60 in Pebble, Pebble Creek. So go ahead and bring us the stuff that you don't want at your house but you think is sellable. And we'll, be, we'll put it in our yard sale, and this is a good fundraiser for us as well. Uh, one other thing, the, the uh, announcement in the bulletin says the deacons meeting is at 5 o'clock tonight. It's at 6 o'clock, okay? So uh, don't come at 5, come at 6 o'clock. And uh, you, you can come at, come at 5, but go to choir. <laughs> and then the deacons meeting is at 6, okay? All right. Wow, that's a lot, isn't it? I think we need some exercise. Let's stand up and greet each other.
seated. Please join me in our responsive reading as printed in your bulletin and also uh, on the screen above. God, forgive us for being asleep when you need us. You weep with the soul of one who is friendless while we wonder whom to invite to dinner. We know Christ's teachings. We know the needs of the world. We know ourselves. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 12, verses 32 to 48. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us, uh, for us or for everyone? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and prudent manager whom his master will put in charge of his slaves to give them their allowance of food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master will find at work when he arrives. Truly I tell you, he will put that one in charge of all his possessions. But if that, but if that slave says to him, My master is delayed in coming, and if he begins to beat the other slaves, men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour when he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. That slave who knew what his master wanted but did not prepare himself or do what was wanted will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. From everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from the one to whom much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. morning. Um, my friend Jesus likes to tell stories, and in the Bible, a synonym for a story is a parable. Someone tell us a story from your first days of school. Tell us a story. 
No stories? I love stories. Sometimes I tell stories to my parents and they believe me. <laughs> a unicorn story? Okay, tell us a unicorn story. Once there was a unicorn. He lived where? On a rainbow. On a rainbow. And uh, his favorite food is Skittles. Okay, favorite food is Skittles. Because of the rainbow. Because of the rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes stories have beginnings, middles, and ends. Dr. Tim is going to explain the parable, the story to us that, that was just read to us. Some stories in the Bible, we have to remember that back in the day, people of the Bible, people used to do a lot of the same kind of work. They used to farm, and they used to fish. And um, there's a couple of short little stories that I remember that are some of my favorites that when sometimes when I get confused or like when um, people when I go to school and people are talking to me and they use words I don't understand I just I, I remember some of these stories Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brothers do you have any brothers you have any brothers Two, you've got two brothers, so this story might be just for you. He, Jesus was walking and saw two brothers. Uh, one was called Simon, and one brother was called um, Andrew, and they were fishing in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I've never seen, uh, I've never seen anybody catch a man. I've never seen it. Not at Walmart, not at Target, not at Sherway, anywhere. I've never seen it. So I, sometimes I need somebody to explain those stories to me. The, the, um, what we just had read to us in Luke, was it chapter 12? That's the big number in the Bible. And when we see the big number right there. And then the little numbers are the verses. Chapter 12, it says, Be dressed in readiness. And keep your lamps lit. When I look in my closet, I see my socks, and I see my shirts, and I see my shorts, and I see my blue jeans. But I don't ever see any readiness. Do you have readiness in your closet? I don't see readiness. And keep your lamps lit. I don't have any lamps in my apartment. Do you have any lamps where you live? You do? You've got lamps? You've got four. So sometimes in the Bible we have to remember that Jesus talked in parables. What's another word for parable? Story. Jesus talked in stories. We have all kinds of stories to tell. When you see somebody and you're waiting in line somewhere, I want you to tell them this story. Ready? It's a short story. It's got three words. It's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Are you ready? Jesus loves you. What's the story? Jesus loves you. Say a little louder. Beginning, middle, and end. Jesus loves you. When I talk to God, sometimes I close my eyes and I sometimes bow my head. And, and this is how I talk. I tell stories to God. And sometimes he tells me stories back. Dear Jesus, we're going to pray for Brother Tim right now that he can explain the story from the book of Luke in chapter 12. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We pray for Mary as she works with us in Children's Church. Amen. That's the end of the story today.
Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, loves you, loves you, loves you. I'll see you later. May we pray. Our most gracious and kind Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time you've allowed us to come in and worship this day, Father. Father, we ask your blessings upon this day and uh, this service, Father. We ask your blessings upon this offering. Father, we uh, bow at this time and we remember the Satterfield family, Father. We ask you to watch over them and care for them, Father, in their uh, grief and their time, Father. Father, bless these tithes and offerings and forgive us for we fail thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
why do y'all quit keep doing this to me? I have to follow that. Ah. Isn't that beautiful? Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, what a great, uh, a great song of praise to our Lord. Randy Hyde um, tells about a wealthy family from Massachusetts who used to take a month's vacation every summer to the coast of Maine, and they would take their, their maid along with them. And the maid had a ritual at the beach each year. She wore this old-fashioned bathing suit, complete with a, a little white hat, and she carried enough paraphernalia with her to stock Walmart. And she would settle herself on the beach, cover every inch of her exposed flesh, and then journey down to the water's edge. There she would hesitate while taking deep breaths, and then she would, she would slowly work up her courage to enter into the icy cold water. Finally, she would daintily extend one foot and lower it slowly into, wa- into the water until she, she barely had one big toe submerged. And then she would repeat the act with the, with the other foot slowly getting it closer and closer and then submerging that other big toe and and then having satisfied her minimal urge for a swim she would retreat to her chair and umbrella and spend the rest of her vacation curled up with a good book she just couldn't seem to muster the courage to dive in and unfortunately she reminds me of a lot of Christians that I've known They have the stuff of greatness within them, but they never really wade out into the deep waters of discipleship. Maybe a toe, maybe even an ankle sometimes, but rarely do they become so stirred with the Spirit of God that they venture anything truly great for the Lord. They're kind of like a car whose transmission is stuck in neutral. You ever, ever, ever had a car like that or seen a car like that? A, a car whose transmission is stuck in neutral. The sound of the engine is, is pretty impressive, isn't it? And the lights come on, the radio works just fine, the tread on the tire is, is brand new, and, and they're, they're shiny, they're attractive, but the only problem is they're going nowhere. They settle for being only, only nominal followers of the Master. Clarence Jordan, the great activist saint of God, one of my heroes, uh, he's the one who inspired the musical Cotton, The Cotton Patch Gospel and, and wrote The Cotton Patch Gospels, translated from Greek into Southern lingo, uh, some of the Gospels and some of the epistles. He used to say something that was uh, that really strikes me. He used to say that that people like that who's are stuck in neutral. They violated the third commandment. Which is thou shalt not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain. He said that taking the Lord's name in vain is not something that you do with your lips by uttering profanity, but with your life. 
You take the name of the Lord in vain when you accept the name of Jesus for yourself, Christian, but you don't do anything about it. You don't do anything with it. And by doing that, that name is in vain. This reminds me of something that baseball player Luis Gonzalez once said. Gonzalez played out, outfield for the Houston Astros. And he had a personal motto that he once shared with a group of sports writers. And his motto was, go hard or go home. Go hard or go home. And folks, let me tell you something. Time and time again, Jesus said basically that same thing to his disciples. Go hard or go home. One of the great unspoken commandments of the Bible is that we are to make our lives count for something. We are, to, we are accountable for our actions We are called to have dominion over our own destinies. In the very first chapter of the Bible, Adam was told that he was to have dominion over his world. And so are we. We're not supposed to be reeds that are blown about with every wind that comes our way. Nor are we to be rocks that are unmoving and unmovable. No. We are to be responsible men and women who recognize that God has entrusted us with the precious gift of freedom. And that freedom, with that freedom, God has given us untold opportunities to change our circumstances, to adjust our situations, and to improve our lives. So you see, we are free to make our lives count for something. So the first thing that we need to see today is that Jesus wants His followers to be productive. Jesus wants His followers to be productive. In today's lesson, Jesus tells a parable about a wise and faithful servant whom the, the master left in charge of his household And Jesus tells us how happy the master will be if he returns and finds that service, that servant living up to his responsibilities. And that's what Christ wants for each of us as well. He wants us to live up to our responsibilities. To make productive use of our time. Jesus praised the productive person time and time again. In fact, Jesus closed this particular parable by saying, to whom much is given, much is required. And that's the basic message of the parable of of the talents, another story that that Jesus told. Those who, who put their talents to work were praised by Christ and their talents were multiplied. But the poor fellow who buried his talent in the ground even had that one talent taken away from him. In another parable, there was an an unscrupulous servant who found out that he was about to be fired. And so he used his master's money to buy friends, basically. And to his disciples' surprise, Jesus praised the man for his ingenuity. At least he wasn't just sitting around whining about the fact that 
Life is so unfair. No. He took charge. He took charge of the situation, and Jesus praised him for it. There's a great scene in the Bible, in the, in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible. <coughs> Children of Israel have, have escaped from Israel, I mean, escaped from Egypt, from their time as, as slaves there. They're up against the Red Sea at this particular moment, and Pharaoh's army is hot on their heels, chasing after them. And so it, it looks like they're trapped. It looks like they're, there's nowhere for them to go. The army is coming towards them, and Moses is telling them to trust in God, that God will not forsake them. Kind of preaching to them these things. And in the meanwhile, they're looking over their shoulders and seeing the army coming while Moses is preaching. And then God breaks in, breaks in to Moses' exhortation here. And as the Living Bible paraphrases it, God says to Moses, quit praying and get these people moving. Well, folks, there's a time for praying, but there's also a time for moving forward. Because, my friends, there is no virtue in standing still. Jesus once asked, what good is it if a tree, if a tree, what good is a tree if it does not bear good fruit? Again, he asked, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? You see, Jesus wants his people to be productive. He wants us to use our brains and our energies. He wants us to dream dreams and move mountains. Bill Borden son of a, the famous and wealthy Borden family in, in Chicago, went to China as a missionary. He died there from a, a disease that he contracted there. But at his bedside table, they found a note that he had written while he was dying. And on it were these words. No reserve, no retreat, and no regrets. No reserve, no retreat, and no regrets. In other words, he had given his all for the sake of Christ. And you know, I'll just bet that Jesus loved Bill Borden. No reserve, no retreat, no regrets. You see, Jesus wants his disciples to be productive. He knew what could be done with those who were ready to take charge. Those whose lives radiate power. And that's really what we're talking about when we talk about faith. Because folks, faith, a lot, of, a lot of times we get a misconception of what faith really is. Faith is not some kind of a belief system that's based on some intellectual premise. No. Faith is action that is based on an eternal promise. It is taking what we believe and putting it into action. That's what Hebrews 11 is all about. The writer began with Cain and Abel as he showed how the great people of God, or the great people of old, by faith, received the blessings of God. From Abraham to, I mean, from Abel to Abraham, he shows how God is faithful to those who, who walk according to God's purpose. And one by one, he expounds on the great things that these people of God did. What they did for the sake of the kingdom. 
One of the names on that list is a name is the name Enoch. But missing from the list is Enoch's son, Methuselah. Who can tell me what Methuselah is famous for? Old age. You ever heard the saying that someone or something is as, as old as Methuselah? You ever heard that? Methuselah, if you'll remember, lived to be 969 years old. Can you imagine? But guess what? That's all we know about him. That's all we know about Methuselah. He lived longer than anyone else ever lived, but as far as we know, his life made no other impact other than the fact that he lived a long time. My friends, God calls His people to be productive and powerful. He calls us to to make our lives count for something, to take charge, to go hard or go home. Another word that a lot of people like to, to use these days is the word passion. Passion. What's your passion? Motivational speakers will tell us that we'll always be successful if we follow our passion. And that's true. I was reading recently about the prolific uh, writer of Western uh, novels, Louis L'Amour. Uh, some of you probably read some of his, his books. At, at one time, Louis L'Amour was one of the most popular writers in the world. He wrote 89 novels, 250 short stories, and he sold more than 320 million copies of his work. His writings are translated in, in over 20 languages. But guess what? That kind of production does not come from a half-hearted effort. You see, Louis L'Amour was constantly searching for factual material to fill his novels. He once found an old abandoned cabin whose occupants had, had used newspapers to insulate the building some 70 years before. And so he spent days removing this newspaper from the cracks and the crevices and the walls of this old cabin. And he took all these newspapers home with him and read through them and gleaned enough facts from those newspapers to base two novels on it. And this was not an isolated event. By the time Lemur started to write a novel, he was armed with copies of every topographical map and every relief map and every mine chart that existed on the area that was covered in his novel. <clears throat> my descriptions must be right, he insisted. When I tell a reader, tell my reader about a well in the desert, he knows it's there. It really is. And that the water is good to drink. At one time, he agreed to help an 80-year-old trapper for $3 a day who had been hired to skin all of the dead cattle on a rancher's land. And he says that there were 925 of them. And some of them had been dead for quite a while. So you know they kind of stunk. Nobody else would come near the place, he said. But that old man had a story to tell. He had been kidnapped by Apaches when he was seven years old and had been brought up as one of them. And, and he had ridden with the great chiefs, Nana and Geronimo. And then Lemur says, I had him all to myself for three months. And I got a lot of material for books that I wrote later. Folks, that's passion. 
Would you be willing to skin 925 cattle, some of them dead for a while, in order to glean a few tidbits of information for a story? That's why Louis Lemur was at the top of his profession. So what is it that you're passionate about? Pastor, Rick, uh, Pastor and author Rick Warren says that he typed the phrase, a passion for, into Amazon.com one time. And he found over 200 books with that title, A Passion. There's a book called A Passion for Birds, A Passion for Books, A Passion for Cactus, A Passion for Chocolate, A Passion for Fashion, A Passion for Fishing, for Flying, for Gardening, for Needlepoint, pa- Pasta, Ponies. There's even a book called A Passion for Potatoes. There's a book called A Passion for Steam of All Things. How in the world can you have a passion for steam? Well, I have a passion for preaching. Hot air. (laughs) Got an amen for that. (laughs) Well, listen to Warren's observation here. He said, in our culture, it's okay to be passionate about anything except your religion, except your faith, except your relationship with God. He said, I can go to a rock concert or a political rally or a baseball game and I can shout my head off and I can get excited and I can get hoarse from yelling so loud When my team loses, I can cry and nobody thinks that's such a big deal. When my team wins, I can jump up and down and wave my hands in the air. And if I do that at a ball game, people say, he's a fan. But if I do it in church, people say, he's a fanatic. He's a nutcase. You don't want to get too worked up about your faith. It's okay about anything else but your faith. Well, let's think about that for a minute. I think we could probably all relate to that. And and really, it's a crying shame. Because the fact is that that's what's missing in many of our lives. We we have no real driving passion for God. And And it's not that we're bad people. It's just that we'd rather not get too excited about Jesus. We're not all that happy with our lives, but... Why rock the boat? No passion. No power. But what God really wants are productive, powerful, passionate people. And then there's one more descriptive word that we should add today, and that's the word prepared. Jesus wants us to be prepared. The master leaves the servant in charge until he returns, and he expects the servant to be prepared prepared to give an accounting of his stewardship. So let me ask you something. If the master were to return today and were to ask you to give an accounting of your life, would you be prepared? There are some people, good people, salt of the earth kind of people who have who really will have nothing to show to the master. Well, they're nice people, and they, they never really got into much trouble, but they never really made that much of a difference either to the world, to the community, to the church, 
to their family. It just kind of blended into the landscape. And for them, Jesus' words, unto whom much is given, much will be required. That will come as an awful judgment. Pastor Eric Ritz draws our attention to a book titled Trouble Doesn't Happen Next Tuesday. It was written by a Salvation Army worker who started a coffee house in Chicago um, in, in a slum there. And she poured her whole life into helping young t- troubled teenagers. She wanted them to turn their lives around through God's grace in Jesus Christ. And in her book, she tells about a young African-American boy who's, who became a close friend of hers. And at first, she, he seemed to, to be responsive to her ministry, But then he got into some trouble. The boy's name was Terry. He had big hands. Big hands. The hands of an athlete. In fact, several universities were were interested in him as a football prospect. But she tells this moving story about how she and Terry met the first time after he had been arrested. She says, I took Terry's hands in mine. Hands that that one day might carry a football for the Chicago Bears. And And I tried to put my hands around them. And then I asked the Lord to accept those hands and to use them for His glory. And then Terry prayed his own prayer. It went something like this. Help me. Help me not to be using my hands for bad things, but for good things for people like old folks and little children, people I like to help. Make my hands stronger so that I can be a big help in the world. Amen, God. My friends, that Salvation Army worker was trying to help Terry prepare for a good life, a meaningful life, and a productive life. And let's think about that for a moment. Most of us have had a lot more advantages than Terry had. But what have we done? What have we done with those advantages? It's at the end of today's lesson that Jesus speaks those haunting words unto those to whom much is given, much will be required. And so the question is, do we measure up? Are we really using our hands to be a big help to the world? That's what Jesus wants out of each and every one of us today. Productive, powerful, passionate, and prepared. So go hard or go home. No reserve. No retreat. No regrets. Amen. We're going to sing today number 60, uh, Be Thou My Vision. And there may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Christ for the first time. Maybe it's this is an opportunity for you to say yes to Christ. Yes, I want to follow you. I want to make that commitment. And it's a commitment, folks. It is. 
And the Bible tells us that we shouldn't make this commitment lightly. We shouldn't take it lightly. We need to count the cost before we do it. And so if you make this commitment, make sure you're ready. Make sure you're, you're set to do that. Now, I will tell you that God, that we come to God only in grace. We come to God because God has loved us and forgives us. And that's all there is. But we also come to God making a commitment to make Jesus not only our Savior, but also our Lord. And it's a commitment that we will follow in His ways from this day forward. Are we going to stumble along the way? Yep. Are we going to mess up along the way? Yep. Every one of us. But it's a commitment we make and we try to stick to it. We invite you to make that commitment today. When we fall, when we stumble, when we mess up, Jesus forgives us. And we pick ourselves up and we go on again. But that's the commitment. Would you make it today? Would you unite with our church today as we seek to struggle along the path that Christ lays out before us? Perhaps you would like to come and have a prayer today. We invite you to come as we sing together, Be Thou My Vision, number 60. Would you come?
Uh, I'd like to introduce to you, some of you have, have met Barbara, some of you have not. I'd like to introduce, if you've not met her, this is Barbara Lambert. And uh, she is coming to unite with our church, uh, transferring her membership from a, another church in Evansville. And, um, and she came and she shared with me that, that every step in her life has been a learning experience for her. And she's learned so much about God at the different points in her life, uh, through her life. And, um, and, and one of the recent things that she has learned is what God expects of her, um, which is what we've been talking about today. And she has come today saying that she would like to give whatever she has to give in, in her life uh, to God through this church. And so what a wonderful testimony that is. She is coming, transferring her, her membership. And I hope that you will join me in uh, welcoming Barbara to this congregation by raising your hand and saying amen. 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 Uh, we are so glad that you are here officially with us, Barbara. And, uh, and we are looking forward to, uh, to the gifts that God has given to you and you sharing those gifts. And uh, Kelsey can probably share this <laughs> because she did earlier. This is something that I tell every person who joins our church. What is it, Kelsey? We are all ministers. We're all ministers in this church. It's not just me. It's just not our staff. Every single person in this church is a minister. We are called by God to minister. And so that means that we look forward to the days ahead in our ministry that we have for you. But we also look forward in the days ahead for the ministry that you have for us as a church and for this world as we seek to be the presence of God in a world of need. I know you'll want to come and uh, speak to Barbara and to share uh, the right hand of Christian fellowship and welcome her to our congregation. Actually, I'll ask you to come and walk with me and we'll stand down here and everybody will shake your hand and give you hugs and stuff. Let's stand for our benediction. As you go from here, go in faith. Go joining the faithful of all the ages who labored long, suffered much, and rejoiced greatly. Go forth in faith, knowing that God has created us for a purpose. God loves us with a steadfast love and cares for us above all creation. Go forth and be the faithful disciples that God has created you to be. And the peace of God will go with you. Amen.